Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Welcome to episode 201 of Martha Runs the World. Wow, it is Thanksgiving week, isn't it? My goodness. It just kind of came upon us like this, almost the end of the year. I can't believe it. It's crazy. I ha- I do have a great guest this week. Josh Matthew is an author. He's an endurance athlete. He's a coach. He's a speaker and a lifelong athlete. And he has some great stories to tell. And one of the things you'll notice is that Many of the things he attempted, he had to do them more than once because he it didn't finish them the first time or the second time. So just, just remember that. If something takes you more than one time to do, if a race is difficult and you wind up not finishing it the first or second time, keep trying because you will finish it if you don't give up. And then I have a few words afterwards, after... Uh, the interview, and so stay tuned, all right? And here is Josh Mathy. Will you welcome to the program Josh Mathy? He is a life adventurer, which includes, I'm probably leaving something out here. He's a success coach. He's a he's a speaker. He's an author. He's an athlete. He does all kinds of stuff and um, just will has a really fascinating story. And welcome to the show, Josh. Josh Matthew, did, did I did I say your name? I'm sorry, Josh Matthew. Yes, you said my name right. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, I, very I, few people get that last name right, so thank you. Well, I started to say what you did, and then I said, did I even say his name? <laughs> I know it's too many things, <laughs> but life adventurer really uh, embodies everything well. So I like that a lot. <laughs> I, I that that's that's very very cool. It is kind of an all encompassing, isn't it? Yeah. So why do you say that we're all athletes? Ooh, great first question. So I, so I wrote a book about, which I would love to talk to if you want to, about running on Muir Trail. Okay. Uh, and I had been a writer when I was a, a kid, and then I kind of stopped writing in my 20s. But I did this thing, running 223 miles along the John Muir Trail, and put myself in this crucible and touched the power of the human spirit. And I really had this moment when I was, you know, 200 yards from the end of the trail. It was like a lightning bolt hit me. I want to share this story. I want to let other people know that the power of the human spirit's amazing and we can all do our own John Muir trail. So that's, that's why I wrote that book. I was really, um, overwhelmed by this power and it was not about Wow, look at me, I'm amazing. It was about we are all amazing if if we step into this this flow. So I wrote the book and it you know it received a lot of great feedback and I went on a speaking tour and it was won awards. It was all the things that you would want if you were a writer writing a book. But I also got a bunch of feedback like I wish I could do something like that. And that was frustrating feedback because to me, that was the point of writing the book. Like you are capable of doing something like that. Maybe not the John Muir trail, although I would argue you probably are, but even if that's not what you're excited about, go do something else that excites you and scares you. And that is out of your comfort zone. I think there's 
there's real power in exploring the edges of our comfort zones. I think that's kind of why we're here. But so anyway, I wrote my second book, I Athlete, uh, to talk about this idea that you just introduced that we all have an athlete inside of us just waiting to be unleashed. And when we do that, it kind of supercharges the rest of our lives. And why I believe this to be true is because I've seen it in my work as a personal trainer and nutritionist and run coach over the last two decades. We are made as humans to run and jump and forage and climb. We are, we are movement beings. We are strong, powerful in mind and body and spirit beings. That's how we are designed to be. I really believe that. And I've seen that happen. And when that light bulb goes off, when somebody who comes through my door, who doesn't think of themselves as an athlete, feels it for the first time, there's that, that first time like, oh, wow, I really am an athlete. I'm, I'm moving better. I'm feeling stronger. It's, it's this indescribable thing, but you know it when you feel it. Uh, and, and this light shines through their eyes and they've touched that. Uh, it's, it's great to see that happen. And it's, it's one of my favorite things in what I do. Uh, and I, I really believe, uh, down to my soul, we, we really do all have an athlete lurking inside of us. And there's, there's great power in touching it. I truly believe that too. I, I think that it's, it, in some ways it's great, but in other ways, social media is so detrimental because it makes so, our, our personal achievements seem minuscule compared to others. And that's really wrong because one person's 5K may be the hardest thing they've ever done in their life. And then they say, gee, I only did a 5K, but this person did this, but you, you got to stop comparing yourself to others. If that's the hardest thing you've ever done, then you should be very proud of that. I absolutely agree with that. And your assessment that, uh, that's what the, the dark side of social media, the light side can be that you see all these great things people are doing and you get inspired by that. But I absolutely agree. Like, yeah, find, find your own limits of your own comfort zones. And we are all different and unique in, in fantastic ways. Uh, and we all have our own strengths and weaknesses. And there is, is great power in exploring the boundaries of, of your comfort zone, whatever that looks like. Right. And that's what I try to do. And that's why I have regular people on my show. A lot of the running shows just have elites. And I just, I try not to do that. I try to have just regular runners and regular people on just to show that we can all do great things. Um, Amen. So, yeah, exactly. So have you always been active in sports? Were you as a kid? Sports. Yeah, so that's an interesting that's an interesting question. So the easy answer is yes. I was my mom will tell you I was moving when I came out of the womb. Yeah, I'm I'm a very kinetic, active, fidgety person. I do not like to be sitting still. I was a baseball player uh growing up. I was a husky baseball player. So that's actually a big part of my journey as a as a coach and a nutritionist and personal trainer and fitness pro is is discovering in high school uh in order to be a better baseball player which was important to me paying attention to what i ate and starting to run and lift weights was beneficial uh and then girls started to notice me and it felt really really beneficial uh but so i got really excited about this this change journey like oh if you pay attention to these things you can get stronger and feel better and all and get faster 
so I, that's really how I fell in love with this work uh, and started me on the path. But so yes, the long answer to your question is I have always been an athlete, uh, but switching from baseball player to endurance athlete has been like the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. You know, fast twitch baseball player to slow twitch, go all day, ultra runner and triathlete is about as different as you can get. Uh, and I discovered I wasn't a very good triathlete. I'm a slightly better ultra runner. I'm a better baseball player than either of those. But that was also great life learning to find value in something I wasn't the best at. Uh, at first, that was really hard for me. I almost wanted to quit when I realized I wasn't going to win every triathlon I did. <laughs> and then some deeper, wiser part of me was like, oh, maybe there's something to explore here. Maybe there's Maybe there's a reason to do it even though you're not the best, perhaps because you're not the best. And and I really fell in love with that and kind of what we were just talking about, finding my own uh, limits, regardless of what the elites were doing. Can I, can I improve upon my last time? Can I learn about the strategy of the race, learn about myself, work on my mindset? Uh, so I have really, really fallen in love with and become passionate about the parallel between life and ultra endurance sport in particular and, or, or not even ultra endurance sport in particular and the things there are to learn about life and ourselves while doing those things. It's a real growing part when we're younger. I started running um, just for fun when I was in my, in college and it's a real growing part to say, Hey, it's just fun doing a race, even though you don't win, it's just fun going out and getting that medal. And then yep. you realize that that's the fun part of doing races is that, you know, you're not going to win, but you get this medal and a t-shirt. It's kind of cool. <laughs> that's right. And you can learn something about yourself and you right. connect with people and you, mm -hmm. you see great parts of the world. I mean, that's been uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed over the last few years is traveling to destinations to race. I think running in particular is a, is a really fantastic way to see the world. Where's the coolest place you've ever raced? Oh man, that is a hard answer because <laughs> one of my friends and I, one of these guys that I worked with who didn't see himself as an athlete, but then started to, and he decided, okay, if I'm a runner, if I'm, if I'm wearing that hat and deciding I'm a runner, I'm going to do, I'm going to go big or go home. I'm going to do the original marathon in Greece. And he invited me. This was seven years ago, I think. And at the time, I was his trainer. He was my client. We weren't really friends yet, but he invited me. And he tells me later, in hindsight, he had some concern about, I'm going to spend a week with this guy I barely know. But we ended up having a really fun trip, and we did this marathon together. And we decided we're going to do an ultra run on every continent as part of our friendship, mm -hmm. part of our life journey. So our first 50K together was in Nepal at the base wow. of Annapurna. Yeah. So the jungles of Nepal, which you think of uh, like Annapurna as snowy, but there's actually warm rainforests below that. Uh, so we're doing this crazy high altitude 50K for his first one through the jungles of Nepal. It's going well, but we get lost when night, <laughs> when night falls, our headlamps aren't uh, strong enough mm. and we immediately lose the course. We somehow get off course and uh, now it's the middle of the night. 
we've gone like 35 miles on a 32 mile course. We somehow get the race director on the phone and he directs villagers up toward us. So we walk back down the mountain. Finally, these villagers find us and they tell us, all right, we've got you, but we're going to have to walk back to our village, which is like four hours. And, and my buddy said, that's not going to happen. So the, the head guy who was actually the village elder who's there rescuing us, he says, all right, I have an idea. So he gets on the phone with one of his buddies, a villager who mans the excavator. They're doing some work on a dam. So he, this is like 1 a.m. He, he gets the excavator, drives it across a class three rapid. We stand. So the excavator is like this big, uh, big piece of earth moving equipment. It's a gigantic, gigantic piece of equipment. He drives it across this rapid. We all clamber on. He drives it back across the rapid. We finally get to the village in the middle of the night. They give us the best top ramen and Coke I've ever had in my life. Then, then the village elder puts us to bed in his, his bed, which is, uh, two wood slabs that are about 12 inches wide. And we are sitting next to each other, huddled up with a, a dirty little blanket and sleep for two hours. And then a Jeep picks us up and takes us back to our hotel. And we never did cross the finish line. <laughs> what a story. Or, yeah, I know. And that was his first 50K. And so, <laughs> somehow, some way he came back. So we've we've been to Nepal. We've been to India. We've been to Japan. We've been to Patagonia. That was probably the prettiest race we've done. Uh, yeah. And it's it has been so life-affirming and wonderful. Not only to create this friendship with somebody who I never would have been friends with before, but to to go to to connect around running and to do that in some of the most beautiful parts of the world. I, I pinch myself every time I do that. That's incredible. What a, I mean, you can't beat that story, though. I mean, you, no matter what happens, that story beats everything. <laughs> it, yeah. And it's one of those like type two fun stories. Like looking back, it was fun. But I, I have to tell you, when it was midnight and it was pitch black, literally pitch black. And a part that I did not include is the road had washed out at one point. We God. thought we were going the right way and we realized we were going the wrong way when we came to a washed out road. So it's, the middle of the night, we don't know where we are. I did have a moment of, and I have a very adventurous spirit. I did have a moment of, oh crap, what, mm -hmm. what are we going to do here? Uh, not that I was afraid for my life, but I was afraid we were going to be out there for a really long, uncomfortable time. Uh, but not surprisingly, I think that helped strengthen our relationship more than anything else we could have done going through that together. <laughs> I bet. Aren't, aren't there like tigers in those jungles? Yes. <laughs> That's really funny that you mentioned that because a couple days before that on a training run, a practice run, we were just running around this lake and all of a sudden this guy runs up to us screaming and talking in another language. And he was very concerned about something. We couldn't figure out what it was. It turns out we had accidentally run onto a tiger preserve. Oh my God. Yeah. And he was trying to save us and get oh us. Oh my God. Tiger preserve. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's not what you want to do. No. No, no. Things you do while traveling. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to run anywhere near a tiger. It's like, that's like, Oh, moving prey. Cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've seen mountain lion. I've seen a mountain lion before and I scared it away, but I don't, a tiger, that's a whole different thing. You know? yeah. I am glad we didn't see any tigers on that tiger preserve. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't either. You might not be here today. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. That's a, that's an amazing story. You do a lot of speaking events too, right? How did that get started? Uh, so I, that's a good question. I never really thought about how that started. I've always liked being in front of people. Okay. But, but in a way, it's funny. I don't like talking in front of like a huge number of people because it doesn't feel connecting. Right. I've done it before, but it just feels like the crowd's over there and I'm doing my thing. I really enjoy smaller crowds where I can see people's eyes. Right. And I feel like we're connecting about something or I'm teaching or helping. I really enjoy that. So probably the most fun speaking I've done is after my first book, I went on a speaking tour and did a bunch of REIs around on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I talked about the John Muir Trail and fast packing and some broader themes around being outdoors and nutrition and, and fitness. And the people who showed up were really interested in the same things I was really interested in. And we could really vibe on that. I love being outdoors, pushing myself mm -hmm. kind of wavelength. Uh, and that was exceptionally fun. I, I really enjoyed that. That's cool. Yeah. I, I would think that would be fun. I, I, I think of. Now, I love my podcast because I get to talk, but I don't have to look at anybody yeah. in the eye. <laughs> yeah. It's like that scares me too much. You know, I see these like TED Talks and stuff like that. It's like, no, I don't, would never want to do that. That's a whole different thing. I mean, you have to practice speaking and you, it's it's almost like acting. It yeah. really is. You have to be in front of people. Everything has to be perfect. You You have to work on your posture and all this stuff. And it's like, no, I don't have to do that in the podcast. I just have to speak well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So it's kind of scary. So how do you prepare yourself to talk in front of a group? We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. So my way of preparing myself is to just remember that being myself is the most important thing, which sounds kind of trite, but that's really, that's really what I do. If I know the stuff that I'm going to be talking about and, uh, I am feeling comfortable in my skin, then I'm going to show up authentically and it's going to be fine. Like that's, that's kind of the mindset that I put myself in. Well, see, that makes sense. You have to be true to yourself and that'll come through. I mean, if you're phony, they're going to notice that and that'll turn off people. Right. And that's, that's the same way I prepare for interviews or podcasts or anything. I, I purposefully try not to rehearse answers. Sometimes I'll think about kind of the direction I want to head, mm -hmm. but for me, it's really important to be real and to be authentic and to be honest. Uh, I find that connecting. And when I'm connecting, then uh, everything seems to work out well. That's So that's my approach. 
Sure, sure. Now, fast packing, the John Muir Trail. Have you done any other fast packing besides the the JMT? I have, but on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. So, I grew up backpacking. My dad took me on my first backpacking mm-hmm. trip when I was seven, uh, and my dad was an Eagle Scout, so he was taught growing up in the fifties and sixties. You bring the entire kitchen sink because <laughs> you don't want to be surprised, right? You want to have everything on your back. So he would bring huge 80, 90 pound packs. And I think part of that was his belief that the harder it is, the more value there is, which I can identify with. I understand that a little bit. But then, you know, so I would backpack every year, multiple times a year since I was seven. And I really fell in love with the natural world doing that. And then at some point, I think in my early 20s, probably after I failed the John Muir Trail the first time, I bought a book by Ray Jardine about backpacking light. Great book. It's a Bible. And he goes way off the deep end with backpacking light with, you know, you saw your toothbrush in half to cut ounces. <laughs> and But it started me down this path of if I carry less weight, I can move faster. I can have more fun. And I can see more things and my body can feel better. So I got really into going as light as possible from, you know, a a 60 pound pack to a 15 pound pack. Now I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm a little bit older. I'm willing to carry a few more pounds for more for comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would do many trips a year that were two, three, four days where uh, I would have less than 20 pounds. Uh, And it really is fun to be able to move that fast. There is a strong, strong correlation between how much weight you're carrying and how many miles a day you can cover. So I I really enjoy carrying, you know, 25, 20 pounds and covering 30 or 40 miles a day. That's that's the bee's knees for me. That's cool. People ask me a lot, uh, certainly when when my first book came out, why would you race the John Muir Trail? Like it's such a beautiful part of the world. Why would you move through it that fast? Wouldn't you want to savor it? And that's a valid question. For me though, 30 miles a day still felt like I could, I could savor it. You know, you're still on foot. It's not like you're, it's not like you're on a, in a plane. I still really felt like I was there and I enjoyed the challenge of it. So that's, well, that's a really valid question for that time in my life. That was exactly what I wanted to do. Well, and a lot of people don't have three, four weeks to spend on a trail. I mean, you you need to get through. A lot of people only have a week or two weeks for vacation. Right. They can't take all the time in the world. I mean, it's great to spend, you know, if you can spend a month, two months on a, on a trail backpacking, that, that's wonderful, you know, wow. but a lot of us can't do that. I've always thought thought of the idea as, back, as fast packing is pretty cool. Um, I... I backpacked when I was younger and I'm not going to be take, I'm not going to be doing that again because just the thought of just hiking for day days on end and not no running just that doesn't interest me at all. I like running. And what, what I do now, now that it's darker after work, I don't do it anymore. But like on weekends when I work, um, I'll take my, my pack with me and I'll run home from work. I'll, I'll nice. change out of, I wear scrubs to work. I work in a clinic. So I'll change out of those and I'll just run home and it's like three miles. So it's not a big deal, but it's kind of fun to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I like doing that. But, um, so the idea of a fast pack really, really, uh, intrigues me. 
Um, but the, the gear is so expensive. I mean, it's like, you know, a, a real light, light weight tent is like $600 and the, the down sleeping bags are hundreds of dollars. So it, it takes a while to, 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 uh, collect all that stuff. Yeah, that is absolutely true. The gear is very expensive. Yeah. Luckily, most of it lasts a while. You know, I'm That's still true. using most of the stuff I got for the John Muir Trail, and that was 10 years ago now. That's true. Nine, nine years ago. Uh, and the other thing I'll say on that is my version of fast packing does include running. So the for the John Muir Trail, I was planning on running the whole thing. I didn't. It, that was very humbling. When you're at uh, 13,000 feet, even 20 pounds is a lot. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was kind of fast hiking the uphill, running the downhill and doing yeah. a combination on the flat. Well, um, that is trail running, isn't it? We, right, we, right. we hike yes, uphills. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Power walk exactly. uphills. Right. People say you don't run the whole time. Well, no, we're no, not, we're not road runners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It really is an entirely different sport. And something I talk about with my athletes who are transitioning from road running to trail running is like, you need to get your mind right here. You are going to be walking, power hiking, and that's okay. That's part of it. That's expected. <laughs> and another thing you tell them that is that when you get to aid stations, we eat. It's a smorgasbord. It isn't yeah. like chews and gels. It's real food. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we run to eat. That's what we do. <laughs> that that's that's the that's the good part. That that was the first time I did trail races. And this is so funny because I was a road runner for years and I was a hiker, but I never thought you could actually run on trails. I, you know, I live in San Francisco. We have these trails all over the place, but I never thought people ran on them. I mean, isn't that the yeah. thing? I don't. Yeah. And then when I started doing that, you know, I started doing races and I show up at the aid station and there'd be, be all this food here. It's like, wow. <laughs> weirdest revelation. Was, uh, a similar experience for me. Like I was a backpacker and a runner, but it never occurred to me to put them together until like 10 or 12 years ago. And then, yeah. Then it was like, why have I not been doing this my whole life? This is amazing. I know. I know. Isn't it this is just such a strange thing? It's <laughs> strange, strange revelation to me. It's just like, um, I, I never thought about that at all. So, so now you also do triathlons, right? So I have not done, uh, a triathlon in years. I okay. started. So my journey as an athlete was baseball player to runner like slow, painful runner to working as a triathlon team manager for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of team and training. So I was I in charge. Yeah. So I was in charge of uh Sacramento triathlon team and training. Okay. And then I met my wife. So this is in 2006, mm -hmm. 2007. I met my wife who was a total badass triathlete. And I very quickly realized if I want to be with this woman, <laughs> Then I'm going to have to start doing triathlons so and spend more time with her. And she tells a very funny story of inviting me to go for a run for one of our first dates. And, uh, you know, my longest run up to that point had been like three miles. And she invited me for a 13-mile run. Oh, my God. I wanted to spend time with her. So I said yes. So I managed to keep up with her, but I couldn't walk for like two weeks after that. But now we're married. So I think it was worth it. Well, I'm uh, glad she didn't take, she didn't invite you for a swim. I know, seriously. <laughs> uh, so I became a triathlete for three, four, five years and worked up to Ironman. I did an Ironman in 2009. 
and uh, really enjoyed it. But then I found trail running and I just fell in love with trail running. And quite frankly, it works well in our marriage for us to have our own things. I mean, I, I think we could have navigated it fine, but it works really well for her to be a triathlete and for me to be an ultra runner and us for, for us to yeah. support each other yeah. in our travel and our gear and everything that works. It works well like that. Well, you probably go broke if you were both triathletes because yes, it's truly. so expensive. It is so expensive. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought about doing that, but then I realized that, I mean, even for a cheap bike, you have to spend almost five grand. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so expensive. And then you have to get places and travel and everything. And, and the cost of races is just, it's exorbitant. Yeah. That's actually one of the things I love about trail running and ultra running is, not just that it's cheaper, although I do appreciate that, but just the the mindset, you know, all I need is my shoes and some running shorts and maybe a water bottle and I can just go get lost in nature. And yeah. I, I really love that. That matches my approach to to life and sport very well. Yeah. And it's it's like for me, I live in the city. So when I if I plan to do a race somewhere, I'll, I might do a race out of town like I did a race up by Mount Shasta a few years ago. And then I planned my whole vacation around it. And then after the race, I took some time off in the mountains and just was able yep. to relax. And it was great. It worked out perfect. Um, I love that. So you so, live in the city, which means you live, I do. To, you live close to my favorite place in the world to run, which is Mount Tam. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I just, and, and it's nice too, because I can take the bus up there. I don't, I don't own a car. So I just, you know, get on the bus and go up there. When I want to near woods and Mount Tam, that is the best running. Yeah, it's pretty. I I like the headlands myself. I just, there's so much um, challenging terrain up there, the hills and everything like that. So, but right now I'm training for a a city, a a road 50K in December. So I'm working on that one. Yeah, it's it's the Hunter Hunter S. Thompson Fear and Loathing 50K. So it's going to be fun. I have heard of that. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's what they call a fat ass 50 K and that <laughs> it's, it's self it, yourself. You, you take care of yourself that there's right. no charge. Yeah. yeah. Self-supported. There's no charge, but um you still have to finish it, you know? So it's kind of fun. That'll be really fun. My last big race actually was in your neck of the woods. I did the Miwok 100. Oh yeah. That's, that's a tough one to get into. Very yeah. Good. I was really glad I got into it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on this wheel trying to get into western states to qualify mm. to get to western states so that's that's my entry this year well, but what luck. a beautiful race i really enjoyed yeah. it yeah yeah that's a tough one too good luck i hope you get in you know cross my fingers for you, you. definitely yeah. definitely so what one piece of advice you would give your younger self Ooh, that's a good question uh I think I would probably give myself a lot of advice, but what comes to mind is don't take yourself so seriously. Like I think I've really embraced that over the last decade or so, and it has made me a happier, more okay person. You know, like you don't need to be more or achieve more or do more to be okay. You're just okay the way you are. And if you want to run a hundred miles or if you want to start businesses or whatever, goals you set for yourself do that because it adds value to your life uh and because it's fun but not because you need to like you're you're okay just the way you are yeah that sounds great i mean i think that's advice for any of us really not that 
our younger selves would listen and we probably wouldn't, but <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I, I never listened to people advice that people gave me, you know, but oh, yeah, it's, it's great advice. Book. Yeah. It's great advice. It really is. Um, what are a couple of words you could use to describe your life? Mm. These are really good questions. Thank I like you. Uh, a couple words to describe my life. Fun, unexpected, interesting, exciting, intentional. I like that. Connected. Very cool. So you're still racing then. I am still racing. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, and trying to decide what that looks like. We actually just moved. My wife is the new head triathlon coach for Colorado Mesa University. Very so, cool. Super cool. But we Very moved cool. from Sacramento where we have been for 15 years mm-hmm. to Grand Junction, Colorado. Oh my so, gosh. How fun. It's how fun. really fun. I have all these new trails and new opportunities. Yeah. I'm close to all these new races and, uh, the things people do here are different. Like I've been already told I have to start climbing and I have to start mountain biking. So <laughs> I don't know. I might, I might experiment with Xterra. We, we will see, but racing is definitely something that adds value to my life. And I, I really enjoy it in whatever way that, that looks. You're closer to the San Juan mountains then, right? Yep. Yeah. So we are really close to a lot of amazing stuff. You start training for hard rock. <laughs> I, don't know. I would really like to do Leadville. Yeah. Um, yeah. Leadville is something I have tried and failed before. And I would okay. like to cross that finish line. Yeah. Hope pass. I don't know if your, your listeners are familiar with Leadville, but mm-hmm. um, I'm a fairly fast runner. If you look at my times, mm-hmm. that, that should not be hard for me, but uh, let, but hope, but hope pass slowed me down just enough that I missed the 50 mile time cut by five minutes. <laughs> well, those time cuts are brutal though. They, they are really they are. brutal. They're very front loaded. They don't mm-hmm. want you to be up on top of hope pass in the middle of the night. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but I would really like to go back and successfully complete that. And now it's kind of in my backyard. So no excuse. That's true. That's true. So, so what races do you have upcoming? So, uh, that is going to be dictated a little bit by whether I get into Western States or not, but a buddy and I who actually did me walk with, he's, he's a client and a friend and he's trying to get into Western States also. So we need to pick our qualifier for Western States for next year. Assuming we don't get in this year, we will probably do gorge waterfall in Oregon. Uh, although we might pick one close to me now that I'm in Colorado. Uh, I know what I know for sure is my sister and I are doing trans Selkirks, okay. which is a five day stage race mm-hmm. put on by the same people who do mm-hmm. trans Rockies. Okay. Uh, and it is in Revelstoke, British Columbia. And oftentimes with these stage races, you stay at a different place every night and it's sparse and they just set up a camp yeah. for you. This one though is at a ski resort. So, okay. you know, you go do 23 miles and you come back and you can sit in the hot tub and have a good dinner. <laughs> and then next day you go do it again on another trail. Uh, but I don't know if you've ever done stage racing. It is I really fun. Yeah, really fun. looks fun. Looks fun. They look, that sounds really fun. There are so many races <laughs> in Colorado too. I mean, other than, I mean, there's, there's rabbit, there's rabbit run. That, rabbit run. run, yeah, run rabbit run. That looks really good. I mean, there's other ones besides, um, you know, the 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 
the really big tough ones. I mean, there's there's the really tough ones like, you know, like Hard Rock or Ure, which is even tougher than Hard Rock, I think. That's I mean, really that, close to us. Oh, really? Ooh, right. Oh my gosh. The, the, the elevation on that is like what? 43,000 feet elevation gain. Yeah. I mean, good God. Yeah, I've been looking at that because I'm close to it now. It is a little overwhelming actually to be so close to all these races in a new part of the world. I just, I'm trying to take a breath and not have to see all the trails, every, you know, today. Well, that, that <laughs> elevation is insane. I mean, that, yeah. uh, but I mean, how incredible, how incredibly beautiful it is if you could ever do that. But, um, there are so many great races in, in your neck of the woods. Um, yeah. So find yep. one that I'm you can, excited. you know, yeah, exactly. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Okay. Besides, besides hard rock or Western states, this is a question I like to ask all my guests besides hard, hard rock or Western states. If you could do any race anywhere in the world, regardless of, qualification or or money or travel what race would you like to do there are a lot of them i'd like to do the four deserts um dean Carnazes is a friend of mine and he i know he he loved that series uh, but what what comes to mind because i know that's a cop-out answer there's a bunch uh utmb probably because that's that's the pinnacle of our sport uh and i would love to just be a part of it it's fun because it's like a festival. So you can experience it on Facebook for like a week because there's all these different races and people are doing it for the first time. And it, it seems really magical. So I would like to be a part of that week and experience UTMB at least once. Yeah, that would be fun. I think that would be a really, really good time. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been great. And you have so many great books. I mean, you three, your three books will have all the links for them on the website and um i have been reading i'm not done with it yet on the john muir trail um i've been reading that on the website so i'm going to keep keep reading that and um yeah and uh in the footsteps of greatness and i hope people do do check that out and i'll have a link to that on the website and your other books to i athlete and and the third one which i've I completely slipped up the name, which is about nutrition. And we didn't even get into that. We could talk about that another time. Um, I'd love to have you on again, but um, definitely uh, check, check out those books. And like I said, we'll have links on the website and good luck on everything. And I hope you get into Western States and do tell us about that if you do, and we'll follow along and take care. Sounds great, Martha. This was really fun. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about what I'm passionate about. Excellent. Very, very good. And have a great rest of your Halloween. You too. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much, Josh. I love the story about Nepal. I just, that's crazy being lost in the jungle like that. But hey, you survived and you're here talking about it. So that is pretty cool. This week is Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving Day is traditionally has the most races the most running races in the u.s of all days ever so i hope you're registered for a thanksgiving turkey trot if not if you're just going to go out and run that's cool too if you want to do one there are plenty of virtual ones and you get a really cool shirt with them i did one last year because i didn't get off work until one so obviously i couldn't do the usual turkey trot 
I am going to run the 20th annual San Francisco Turkey Trot on Thanksgiving morning. I am taking Thanksgiving Day as a vacation day because I usually work on it. It's only a half day, but still, I don't want to miss this race. It is the 20th annual, so it's going to be pretty special. So I'll talk about that next week. Uh, um, I'm finding that my hip is hurting more and more, and I I think I'm just making the, the best decision to get my surgery in March. It's just, it it really brought me down. It made me feel really, really sad for a while. I'm still trying to pull myself out of it because I just had, I it just wrecked my plans. <laughs> Take the wrench and throw it in the works. You know, that's what I feel like. It just totally threw all my plans away. And I said, okay, none of these plans are going to work. You have to make new ones. So, okay, so I have to make new ones now because everything I planned and wanted to do, I can't do. So I just have to start from scratch and put together new stuff and look forward to those. It's just, it's different. My whole future is different now. But I've, I've dealt with that before. It's not fun. It certainly is not fun. But it is what it is. And I'm a survivor, and that's what we survivors do, is that, yeah, it isn't what we want. It isn't what we hope. But it is reality, and we can't really change that because we need to do what is best. And what is best is getting my hip replaced. And then I can do other things. But if I don't do that, I can't do anything. So I will, I'll work on that and get that done. Then we can, I can do other things. It was such a joy to have my right hip done and not have the constant pain all the time. And it will be great to have the left one done before I have the constant pain and then to get rid of the pain that's starting to happen now. Um, my right right one I had to put off not get surgery because of that thing called COVID that everyone went through and yeah I lost my job and couldn't get surgery and blah 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 I know you've heard it all before but it is it's what went on so now I can get this done and then put everything back and then put together a new plan that's how life is sometimes, though. You think you have everything together and you have uh, all your stuff right in a row and all nice and organized. And then the, then something comes over and says, no, no, sorry, not going to work that way. It just messes up all your organization, messes up all your plans, and you have to start over. And that's how it is. And, okay, I'm, I'm better. I have a better attitude now than I did when it first happened, but... I'm not well. I'm not as sad as I was. I'm just. I'm dealing with it. So we deal. We we figure it out. We move forward and just do it and do it with a smile on our face, even if we're faking it until that smile's real. That's what we do. All right. Now everything is on the website. All of Josh's information will be on the website, MarthaRensonWorld.com. If you want to email me, it's MarthaRunsTheWorld at gmail.com. And have a great Thanksgiving. If you're not in the U.S., have a wonderful rest of, rest of your week. Have great runs. And I will talk to you next week. And until the next show, let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run. <laughs>